Welcome to a message by Highway Christian Community. Highway Christian Community is a church in Pinetown pastored by Steve and Janet Wheeler, whose vision is to make disciples. You can visit their website at www.highway.org.za. We hope that today's message enlightens the eyes of your heart to know the goodness of God and awakens you to live your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Good morning. Welcome to those of you who are watching on the online service this morning. If you're tuning in at 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock or 5 o'clock, you have an option to hear the same message from your church leadership. And we trust that you will be encouraged and inspired as we navigate these uh, perilous times together. And if you're feeling disillusioned and a little bit disorientated and a little bit uncertain, then why don't you make it a regular habit to bring your Bible on a Sunday morning. Have it open. So important that we continue to open our Bible on a Sunday morning. And even if you're listening on the radio, that you will also have your Bible open in front of you. So just a big welcome to everybody as we continue into 2021, a year that we're believing God is going to restore our sight. Amen. Just a few things around family news. First of all, we are about to launch our website. It's our new look, updated website. We will launch it later this week, and we want to encourage you to go on, have a look. It's going to have a few new features to help stay connected in this socially disconnected time. Remember, I keep saying we're not socially to distance. We're only physical distance. And in physical distance, we're still socially connected. So the website is going to have a tab where uh, you can connect to our online services. And also we're going to be having a Bible school, a one-hour Bible school a week, which will also have interactive feature added to it and then there's something for the children and there's something for those of us who desperately want to worship the teaching times are prompt 8 o'clock 10 12 and 5 but we're going to have a tab on the website with a melody selection for soaking times just to have worship playing some by our very own musicians some from others with their permission that we can use so that you can have good quality worship sessions in your home. So we encourage you to do that in these coming, this coming week. The new website will be up and running. So thank you for your support and thank you for your ongoing prayers and staying connected in this house of the Lord. Well, this morning I just want to take pleasure in introducing Mark Ellis, who's no stranger to us. He has a word I believe is going to be a big encouragement this morning. God bless. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Steve. Good morning and welcome everybody to this morning's service. 
It's a great privilege and honor for me to be here this morning and to share the Word of God with you. You know, um, it has been an absolute whirlwind, 2020 now into 2021, and I'm sure many, many of you as you're watching are just wondering what on earth is going on. Well, the good news to you today is that you're in the kingdom of heaven. So we are, in a sense, living in this world, but not of this world. And that means that even though this seems like there's chaos all around us, our Father is able to help us and look after us in a way that we can only begin to comprehend as we begin to experience His provision. And I've been amazed at the amount of stories I've been hearing from people who have had radical breakthroughs and just how God has provided during this time. And, you know, I just think it's so awesome that we can just say thanks, Dad, for being so awesome to us and looking after us in the midst of everything that's happening. But did you know that there is one principle in the kingdom that is so vital to us being a vibrant social society, that if we don't pay attention to this very one principle, we will actually end up in a situation where we will shut down our social effectiveness, our ability to be a community, to strengthen one another and encourage one another, and to be able to draw on God's strength in order to represent truth in this world. And one of those principles is the kingdom principle of walking in forgiveness. Now, in order to walk in forgiveness, you first have to understand, well, what is forgiveness? And you know, this reminds me, you know, a long time ago, I um, sat down with a couple and this particular couple, this is a long time ago, so it's no one you know. So don't, don't think it's anybody you know. I sat down with this couple, and what ended up happening is the, the wife um, of this couple started talking to me about how they don't believe forgiveness is about um, accepting the people again. It's a, they believe forgiveness is about, you know, not taking vengeance or... Or, or, or not doing something to counteract what the person has done. So they can forgive it, but they don't want anything to do with that person again. And it might sound like something that a lot of us would think, but this is not the kind of principle that we see Jesus demonstrating or representing in the New Testament. And just to have a look at that, let me show you what I mean. In Matthew 18, verse 21, we're going to start reading. Now, if you've got your Bible with you at home, you uh, are doing well. If you don't have your Bible with you at home, then find it because it's at home, right? So just go find it quickly, and then you'll also be doing well. That's a good thing. And the Bible is such a good um, device because 
um, unlike many other devices, this battery doesn't run down. It's amazing. The battery just lasts forever and ever. You can close it, leave it for a long time, come back, and it's still perfectly fine. Um, it's easy to read, you know, depending obviously on what print you have, how small the print is. But for the most part, very reliable, and it has a special feature. It removes all distractions. Yes, it's amazing. No other apps can run on this book. Yeah, that's true. No other apps can run on this book, so you have only got one app running, and it's called the Bible. <laughs> well, thanks for indulging me with my silliness this morning, but hopefully you get the point. We want to encourage you to use your Bible and to appreciate its worth and to begin to spend more time with your Father with the Bible. Why? The Word of God is kind of like an invitation for you to participate in a relationship with God. You know, sometimes we can have an idea of what we think God is saying, but when we go to Scripture and we see that that is exactly what God is saying, then the more sure word confirms the prophetic word that we're receiving. And so this is a very powerful way to know that God is speaking to you. God isn't um, double-minded. He's not schizophrenic. He's definitely going to say the same thing. You know, the problem with being an eternal being is that your words are eternal. Yeah. And that means that it's always true. If you say something, you've always said it. So God doesn't have to uh, be today this way and tomorrow that way. The Bible says the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and he doesn't change. So we can be sure that God is not going to disagree with himself. So if you're thinking thoughts or ideas or concepts that are contrary to the word of God, then what you're actually experiencing is an onslaught of the enemy against your mind. And the Bible tells us that our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty to tearing down strongholds, to bringing every thought and imagination captive into obedience to Christ. And we know that Jesus is the Word made flesh. So, basically, if the Word of God disagrees with your thoughts, it's time to change your thoughts and to begin to think according to God's Word. Okay? Now, that being said, let's go to Matthew 18. Hopefully you're there already. Matthew 18, verse 21. There was um, one of Jesus' disciples, ordinary people, just like you and I. Um, his name was Peter. You're familiar with Peter? I'm quite sure you are. You know, Peter was one of those people that was very bold and very kind of, you know, just, just go for it. People would sometimes think that I'm a little bit more like that. But the reality is that he was a go-getter. I mean, think about it. Do you remember um, perhaps the story where Jesus walks on the water? A little bit of information on that. You know, they're sitting in a boat. Jesus is not with them. And then they see Jesus walking on the water towards them. And in the story, Peter is in the boat with the other disciples. And he says... Jesus, if that's you, then tell me to come to you and let me walk on the water. And Peter ends up 
getting out of the boat on Jesus' instruction. He gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water. And only when he sees the waves and takes his eyes off of Jesus do the waves get the better of him. So you can see that Peter was this kind of guy who, who wanted to just go for it. Okay, That's the kind of go-getter that he was. You know, there were another 11 disciples in the boat. And none of them tried to walk on water. So there's something to be said about Peter. Even though he ended up taking his eyes off Jesus, he was at least willing to participate. And that's a good thing. Participation is often more important than success or failure. Because without participation, you can never learn to succeed. So hopefully that's uh, encouragement to you. Now in this story, Peter comes to Jesus and this is what he said. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? He's like, hmm. And I think Peter kind of had an idea of what the answer should be. And he was hoping to impress Jesus. Because his very next statement is, as many as seven times? He's like, I've got the answer, Jesus. How many times should I forgive my brother? As many as seven times? I mean, that's a lot. And even in today's culture, forgiving someone seven times, that's a lot. Most people, someone, someone does something to them once and they never want anything to do with them. Yeah, Peter is at least giving seven times. That's pretty gracious considering what most people do these days. But Jesus said to him, I, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, other translations say seven times seven, 70 times seven times. Now, the reality is, a part of the number, okay, apart from the actual number, the point Jesus is making is a lot more than what you think, Peter. This is the, this is the thing Jesus is saying. You need to forgive your brother a lot more than what you realize. So much more that it's impossible not to forgive him. And then Jesus doesn't waste any time. In verse 23, he goes straight into a story that basically explains what Jesus is trying to say. In verse 23, it says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, imagine this is an amount of money so big that it is impossible to pay it back. Okay? This is what the story tells us. It's an amount of money so big that it's impossible to pay it back. And since he could not pay, since he could not pay, his master, right, ordered, and this is amazing, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had and payment to be made. So this guy owed all this could, impossible to pay it back amount, comes before the master and ends up in a situation where he is about 
to be sold. Him, his family, everyone. Everything sold to try and pay back what he owes. Okay? Now, this is crazy. So the servant, what does he do? He realizes, I, it's impossible for me to pay this back. Either I'm going to be a slave forever. I'm never going to, everyone's going to be a slave forever. I might as well throw myself at the mercy of my master. So what does he do? He says, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have mercy with me. Have patience with me. I will pay you everything. So he's saying, look, I'll do it. I'll, I'll pay you everything. Somehow I'll find a way. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Wow. Forgave him the debt. A debt so large that it was about to cost him everything. He asked for mercy and the master forgave him the debt. Now, you know, in this parable, when you're busy reading this parable, you're listening to this parable, you've got to understand that this is an unusual event within the day, okay? For someone to forgive this kind of debt was very unusual during Jesus' time. People were categorically and often sold into slavery because they owed money. So if you owed money, you'd automatically become a slave for a certain amount of years until you've paid back what you owe. And once you've paid back what you owe, then you would be released from your debt and you'd no longer be a slave. But what if, the, no, what if no matter how long you worked, even if you worked a thousand lifetimes, you still wouldn't be able to pay back your debt? Well, then you'd be a lifetime or a several lifetime slave. You would be a slave, your families, your, your children would be a slave, your children's children would be a slave until the debt was completely paid off. Now that's quite crazy. It's quite drastic. But yeah, the debt is paid. Okay? Now, if you had been forgiven, I mean, think about it. If you had a 10 million rand debt and it was forgiven like this, anyone who owes money knows they would be thankful, they'd be celebrating, they'd be jumping up and down, thank you God, I am free from this debt. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Many, many South Africans are actually in debt right now. And your debt is nothing compared to the debt that this guy had. But yet, the debt was forgiven. In verse 28, it continues, and this is what happens. It says, but when the same servant, the one who has just forgiven this debt, went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Hmm. Now, a hundred denarii was like a fraction of ten talents, like a phenomenally small amount. And he seizes this guy, and he begins to choke him. And he says, pay what you owe me. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone just got forgiven 10 million rand, or 10 million dollars, or 10 talents, then surely it's like winning the lotto. You should be like not wanting to, to take money from anyone. 
you just you should be so thankful that you've been released of your debt that you would want to pay it forward it should be a natural consequence of you being forgiven but this fellow seizes the person chokes him and says pay your debt a hundred denarii in verse 29 it says so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw that he had taken place, sorry, that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Okay. So yeah, you have one scene, a guy is huge debt, comes in, asks for mercy, he's forgiven. He goes out, the next scene, he finds someone who owes him a fraction of what he was forgiven, and now he's judging this guy and putting him in jail. And now someone else sees that, and they go back to the guy who originally forgave him his debt. Then his master summoned him and said to him, this is verse 32, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And if you're in your Bible right now, I want you to underline that. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, this is very interesting because what we have here is a very clear parable that shows us that people who have been forgiven, people whose debt have been canceled, have a greater obligation to forgive people around them than people whose debt, their, their, their sins, have not yet been forgiven. Think about it. And you might say, well, Mark, you know, um, but so-and-so wronged me, and so-and-so did this to me, and this and that happened to me. You know what? Join the party. We can all talk about just how bad everything has been and could be, and, but the reality is, we were all forgiven. Every one of us was forgiven. And this forgiveness that we've received should motivate us to forgive. This forgiveness we've received should be a part of us walking in forgiveness. Let me, let me give an illustration. I think there's nothing worse, right? No worse sin against you, right? So a debt Right? No worse debt against you than someone stabbing you in the back or betraying you, right? I mean, how many of you watching this morning would say, yeah, I would rather get betrayed than someone take my money? I mean, I'm sure almost everyone would say, if they took my money, they betrayed me. It's the same thing, right? So being betrayed is one of the worst things that people can go through. When you trust people and they take advantage of your trust and they destroy your trust, that betrayal is deep, it's, the pain is deep, and it's difficult, right? We all understand that no one is saying it's not, no one is saying that it's easy. 
But I want you to look at the prime example. You see, Jesus came as an ambassador of his kingdom. The kingdom we now belong to as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And in his kingdom, things operate differently. You know, Jesus would say these things like, love your enemies and be kind to those who persecute you. I mean, crazy stuff like that. You know, if someone tells you, carry something for a mile, carry it three miles. You know, things, ludicrous things like that. Then he'd say, what is it profit to you if you love those who love you? Doesn't the world do the same thing? Don't the world love those who love them? I mean, think about it. It's crazy, the things that Jesus would say. And then Jesus said, be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect, who causes it to reign on the just and the unjust. He's saying he takes care of the just and the unjust. He, t- he treats them equally, equally. And that's what it means to be righteous, to be perfect. Isn't it amazing? It's a very different view. Now, watch this. This is important. Go with me to Matthew 26. And I want to show you exactly how Jesus, the, the ambassador of this new civilization, this new mankind, demonstrates how this needs to be dealt with. It's Matthew 26, verse 47. Um, and he says this. While Jesus was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve with him, and a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. So Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's busy praying. He's talking to his disciples. And while he's still busy, boom, Judas shows up. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Okay, hold on. He cut off his ear. Now hold on. That's how most of us feel. You know, when when we're betrayed, when we see something unjust going down we want justice we want to take action we want to stop this thing from happening we can see this right but then what happens then jesus said to him put your sword back in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword do you think that i cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels But how then should the scripture be fulfilled that it must be so? So understand this, right? The only reason Jesus didn't take action was because Jesus knew the plan. He knew the plan was bigger than what was going on at that present time. It looked like this was the end for Jesus, but this was only the beginning. Okay, now understand this because this is important. Judas comes to Jesus and betrays him. Jesus knows that this betrayal is coming. He even knows that in a couple of minutes, Peter is also going to betray him. Jesus knows all his disciples are going to leave him. He's going to be completely abandoned. The only one to be there would be John and Mary, right? Now, think about this, guys. I want you just to pay a little bit of attention. 
Because if anyone could have got offended, if anyone could have, could have had a reason, a justification to harden their hearts and to walk in unforgiveness, it could have been Jesus. Right here, right now. I don't think there's any one of us that, that could go through that and not say, yes, that would be difficult to do. It would be difficult to keep walking in forgiveness. But Jesus, Jesus models it, right? He models it in such a way, such a powerful way. What are you doing? This Peter. He's standing there. Jesus is being arrested. And the, Peter pulls out his sword and chops this guy's ear off. And as he does this, what happens? As he does this, Jesus is speaking to Peter, and at the same time, he's healing this man's ear. This man is experiencing the love and mercy of God at the same time as Peter is trying to execute justice to try and protect Jesus. Because God was bringing in a better way, a better way. In James chapter 2, verse 8 to 12, the writer, James, goes as far as to say that we should be people who act as if we are being governed by the law of liberty. And he says that those who show no mercy will be shown no mercy. And what's he doing? He's saying that Mercy has triumphed over judgment. Passing judgment doesn't actually help. Working and operating according to mercy is what brings transformation and change. In Ephesians 4, 31, this, I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing scripture. In Ephesians 4, 32, sorry. Ephesians 4, 32 says the following. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. As beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Because God has loved us first, we must love. This is what he says further in, a, in Colossians 3, verse, uh, verse 12. This is in Colossians 3, verse 12. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy, right? Yes. Put on then as God chosen, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, which by the way doesn't mean weakness, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other how should we forgive each other 
as the Lord has forgiven us, so you must forgive. Hold on a second. Mark, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. But here's the problem. We cannot expect God to show us a kind of forgiveness that we are not willing to reciprocate. Why? Because in order to be a representative of the kingdom of heaven, we have to represent heaven. And this is how they will know that you are his disciples. Not by how you judge one another. Not by how you tear one another apart. Not by how you find fault with one another. It doesn't say that. It says, but by how you love one another. And you cannot walk in love towards someone and unforgiveness towards someone at the same time. It is literally impossible. If you walk in unforgiveness, you will rob yourself of the freedom that God has already made available for you. Because no one can walk in love whilst they hate their brother or their sister. Listen to me this morning, brothers and sisters. God wants us to walk in freedom. Today, ask the Holy Spirit right now where you are. Who, who am I angry with? Who am I? It might be the country. It might be our leaders. It might be someone next door. It might be the guy who made the, the next door dog have his business on your front lawn. It could be anybody. But ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, who is there that I'm not walking in forgiveness towards? And you know how you'll know? You'll bring that person up and you'll be uncomfortable. That's how you'll know. Why? Because you don't really want to forgive that person. But I'm going to urge you today. Let God work in your heart. Forgive from your heart. And what does it mean to forgive? It means that you choose in spite of the trust that has been broken, in spite of the harm that's been done, in spite of the pain that's been caused, in spite of the betrayal you felt, that you choose to embrace that person again. Not because they can't do the same to you, but because you know that your Father is looking out for you. Just like Jesus trusted God in spite of the fact that everyone was betraying him. He knew his Father would not let him down. Trust the Father. Trust the Holy Spirit. Let us walk as Jesus walked. Let us walk in kindness and forgiveness towards one another, not holding one another's sins against one another because our Father in heaven has chosen to not hold our sins against us. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you right now where everybody is as they're listening to this broadcast this morning. I trust, Holy Spirit, that you are working in people's hearts and that there is conviction that illuminates but not any condemnation that distracts or disqualifies. But only conviction that illuminates so that these obstacles can be taken away. 
and that your mercy and your grace can freely flow through your church and through every single person in your body. Thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. I trust that this word has not only blessed you, but has touched your heart. Do yourself a favor, check out some of these scriptures yourself and be blessed and know you are loved, you are accepted, and the Lord will never change his mind about you. Goodbye. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you to Mark for an encouraging message from God's word. Trust you have an awesome day today. And don't forget to check our website out this coming week. God bless.